Welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Kate Parker. I'm a meteorologist that works for weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And today we have a lot of weather news going on. To start, we're talking a lot about what's going on in the Northeast. We've had some other podcasts talking about this. You're going to see articles on our website about this. And just really not even the Northeast, I guess even the Southeast, as some really cold air uh, is arriving for Mother's Day. I mean, we're talking about possible frost in the South in mid-May. It's just wild how cold this temperature, these temperatures are going to be. And yes, some snowflakes in the forecast. And yes, possibly some bombogenesis. So some really just wacky things going on for this time of year. And we're going to dive into that. But first, we have wildfires going on. So kind of the opposite, where we're talking a lot about uh, this cold weather. Well, we've been having some warm and dry weather in Florida that has really exacerbated a lot of dry conditions. And unfortunately, that has led to some wildfires, especially in the panhandle. So joining me today, I have Linda Lamb. She's one of our digital meteorologists. And I have Jan Child. She is one of our writers and reporters here at weather.com. And um, I'm excited to dive into some of this. But my heart admittedly, guys, is hurting a little bit with this these fires in Northwest Florida because one is less than 10 miles from where I got married. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. oh no. That's awful. Yeah. In front of a tree that we're like, this can't burn down. Right? Oh, no. We need that oh. tree to stay. Um, so maybe you guys can uh, update us on where exactly these fires are and what's going on with them, and then we can dive into what has caused them and what the forecast looks like going further. Yeah. So there's three fires burning. There's several fires burning throughout Florida, but in particular, the ones that are making news today are three in the panhandle. They're in um, three counties that are, that are kind of close together, Santa Rosa County, Walton County, and Escambia County, all kind of up there in um, Northwest Florida. And one of them, the biggest one that everybody's watching has been dubbed the five mile swamp fire. Firefighters give these fires names based on maybe the terrain or something that that is familiar in the area or whatever they give them nicknames so so this particular fire is the biggest one that's burning and it exploded um, basically last night it was it was relatively small yesterday afternoon when we first started covering it and then it grew to about um, three square miles and it, it was only 20 percent contained as of this morning but people in 1100 homes um, were told to evacuate And so, yeah, so they were they were all advised to evacuate yesterday afternoon. They're still being advised, being told to to stay away from their homes. Several structures have been destroyed. Um, There's not an exact count yet. But, you know, this whole thing, as we've talked about so many times, too, um, sort of is made more complicated in the era of coronavirus. So some shelters were opened and county officials told people, you know, go to the shelters, social distance, you know, just get out of harm's way. A bunch of people there in um, Santa Rosa County, which is near the town of Milton. It's not too far from Pensacola, actually, Um, Mm -hmm. just across the bay kind of from Pensacola. A bunch of people gathered in a gas station parking lot with all their belongings in the back of their cars, just kind of, you know, trying to figure out where to go and what to do. And so, so yeah, so that fire, they're still working on it. They brought in assets from all over the state to, to help fight that fire. 
And then the other one, uh, there's another one in Walton County, um, which is about 85 miles from there, where also people have been evacuated. I think it's around maybe 500 homes or so um, have evacuated. And that fire, actually, um, they're expecting to arrest someone soon in connection with that because I'm not sure what they were burning, but there's a burn ban in that area. And so, you know, they may may have been, been burning trash or who knows what, but the sheriff said they expect an arrest to come pretty soon with that one. And then there's another small fire in a Escambia County there in the Panhandle. So it's it's a lot going on up there that they're that they're working on. The one in Santa Rosa County also just to add um Interstate 10 is closed. A portion of Interstate mm-hmm. 10 is closed for that. So it's a lot going on up there and you know because of what is it um Linda these dry you know, temperatures and winds, right, that are fueling those fires. So we've had really dry conditions, you know, much of Florida is in drought, or at least abnormally dry. And we've had very warm temperatures, which together, that's not a great combo. And then you add in some gusty winds. So you have low relative humidities, you have strong winds, and therefore any fires that do develop, then they can, you know, rapidly spread, which is what we saw yesterday. And yesterday, there were red flag warnings posted. So burning was definitely not recommended or uh, allowed in those areas for that reason for them to, you know, to kind of eliminate, you know, the out of control wildfire potential there. But unfortunately, uh, that it does happen, you know, and this is a time of year you do see uh, wildfires sometimes in Florida. And we have red flag warnings today uh, for p- portions of the Florida peninsula. Uh, so that will be, you know, an area to watch for any uh, potential new fires uh, going forward. But the good news for the panhandle is we have seen uh, some improvement in conditions. The winds are not as strong. So uh, that is good news for those uh, trying to get those fires under control. And I think we have a little bit of rain in the forecast also. Um, do, yeah. Not a lot. It's not going to knock out the drought, but I, I personally will take anything. Well, that change to a more moist, you know, atmosphere in general is better, you know, for, you know, lack of fire development or spreading. So even with just some chance of showers, that it, that is overall better news, you know, to bring up those uh, humidity levels. So. It always just kills me whenever I see these stories. And um, I mean, I'm the daughter of a firefighter, so I understand why certain terminology is used. But structures just kills me because whenever I hear that, what I what it means is it, it could be anything from a shed, you know, that could be a structure. But in most cases, it's homes, it's businesses, right. you know, it's not just uh you know, a random barn in the middle of nowhere always. And in this case, in the Florida panhandle, we've seen some videos starting to come out where it has been a number of homes that have been completely raised. They are to the ground, um, which is just it's heartbreaking. This is an area, admittedly, the, the fire that's in Walton County um, is an area that's like near and dear to my heart. I, you know, I've spent a lot of my life there. So, um that's really hard to see. And, and, and I hope that that, that fire, I believe was like what 60% contained the, um, uh, must Bayou wildfire? Um, yeah, that one, um, is a little more under control than, than the bigger one in Santa Rosa County. However, yeah. it still affected a lot of people and, and homes there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it is always heartbreaking when you see these, you know, when this was happening yesterday, when it first kind of came, came to our attention yesterday and we started writing about it, um, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, here in Florida, we we don't that often have fires that are 
destructive like you see in California or out in some of the Western states, you know, because of differences in vegetation and topography and, and on all kinds of different reasons. And so then kind of, you know, as time went on while we were covering this and, and we were constantly updating it, um, myself and then um, some of the people who were working last night started to come out that, you know, these buildings were being burned and these things were happening and all of these evacuations were going on. And it really struck me because it really is, you know, like Kate said, it's hard when you see that happening and, and stories that we cover so often, we see, unfortunately, things like this that are part of our jobs to write about. And we always hope it doesn't happen. So far, we don't have any any news of injuries or or anything like that. So that is that is good news, at least for now. Linda, you were mentioning what was going on with the um, forecast and that South Florida also had these red flag warnings and, and these conditions going on. What was it, like a decade ago or so? I was just trying to quickly Google on my phone <laughs> to try and remind myself exactly <laughs> what year it was where we had those horrible um, fires in South Florida and in the Everglades from the peat the peat layer of uh, the, it's mm -hmm. peat moss um, in the Everglades. It's it's partially decomposed organic m matter. So it's, you know, not a fully decomposed soil. Um, like if you're making compost in your backyard or something, but it's extremely rich in nutrients um, that are just fuel for these fires. Um, and they have, they trap a lot of things like methane and different, that's what's being released from that peat. And whenever it dries out, this is what people have used to heat their homes for centuries, right. you know, around the world is peat moss um, and still do in some places, especially in Europe. Um, so th it's not like when we talk about the differences in vegetation, it's even though a difference in soil. You wouldn't think the mm -hmm. ground can catch fire, but it can, mm -hmm. especially in South Florida. Right. And that is kind of crazy to, to think about. So it's not just. Uh, you know, your typical thinking of a forest, you know, catching on fire and, you know, destroying lots of trees. Uh, and, and that is definitely the case in Florida. So definitely something to be mindful of for anyone, particularly today in uh, parts of the peninsula where we could have that higher risk to be sure not to, you know, don't throw cigarettes out the window, uh, you know, don't burn any any material because like you said the ground can t catch on fire in some areas so at least the good news in in south florida is we do have some heavy rain expected as we head into this weekend we do have more uh more of a subtropical moisture uh that will flow in so that will definitely help uh any fire conditions there as we head towards later Saturday and into the early part of next week where several inches of rain are possible. And one of those things that you kind of go from the story of it's been really dry to after a while, maybe we'll even have some flooding concerns uh, in some areas where the heavy rain uh, happens. So uh, it is always kind of interesting when that does occur where, you know, you go from one extreme, one concern of wildfires to a few days later flooding concerns. So, right. That, that, that's kind of the story of this spring, right? Yeah. One extreme to the other. <laughs> it really has been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of those extremes, let's talk about what we're expecting in the East because the West has been hot. I mean, this desert Southwest, that has been hot. That's not changing. You've got high pressure sitting over you in the Southwest and in the West and, and it's not moving. It's an Omega block. That we like to is what we use terminology wise. Um, but that means that the thing that was missing all winter has now shared a little lobe of itself south into the contiguous U.S., the polar vortex. We've actually seen some of that weakening um, of the jet stream that has allowed this colder weather to come south and just in time for Mother's Day, nonetheless. Linda, I yeah, mean, it's 
This it's is really cold air for this yeah, time it, of year. It is. This is very unusual. And we'll have uh, basically two pieces of the polar vortex uh, impacting parts of the U.S. as we head uh, into later part of this week and into next week. Uh, this was something we did not see at all when, at all during the winter, which, you know, for those who love snow, we're, we were kind of hoping for at least a period of time where we'd have that set up. And now as we're heading towards, you know, May, mid-May, uh, this is not the setup people want to see. This is not... Uh, really desired for most people, uh, you know, but like you said, we'll, we'll see that cold air coming in. We'll see an Arctic cold front moving through. Like you don't talk Arctic cold fronts uh, very often in May mm. um, reaching the United States. So that's quite unusual. So we're expecting some, you know, potential, quite a few records, um, even as far as pressure records we're expecting, as we'll see a low pressure develop uh, that's expected to rapidly intensify. Uh, so it will be a fascinating weekend as far as looking at it meteorologically uh, as to what's happening. But this is not the weekend most people wanted. I think most people prefer to have a nice warm Mother's Day weekend yeah. where you can get outside and not expect to have March like weather, which is basically what this is. Just did their planting. Yes. And, yeah, that's tough. I've got I've got a few plants I'm gonna need to protect outside. But what what geographical regions are we talking about here and what is their, you know, impacts? So we're talking the Midwest all the way into the Northeast and even into the Southeast. Frost as far south as into the Tennessee Valley. Uh, so freeze conditions uh, farther north. We're talking lows dropping down into the 20s and 30s. Um, and so it's, it's an expansive area. It's a widespread. It's not, you know, just a pocket, a localized pocket of cold air. It's it, a lot of the country uh, will feel this this winter or this winter. Yeah, it feels like it will feel like winter this weekend. Uh, so we'll see uh, daily record lows, likely daily record cold high temperatures. And I would not be surprised if we saw maybe even a couple of all-time record lows for May in some locations, uh, wow. given the just the right setup. So it's it's going to be, uh, you know, one that people will notice <laughs> for what sure. About, yeah, I think, I think uh, especially when some people see some snowflakes, where are we expecting that? I mean, I was yeah. talking to to the the lover of lake effect snow himself, Tom Nizzle, on the podcast yesterday about the possibility of some lake effect snow. Um, it, it, that just seems unacceptable to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like snow. So it's like, I don't like cold weather. So to me, this is just rude. Nobody really wants May snow for the most part. I mean, this is quite unusual. Uh, we'll see that area of low pressure uh, rapidly strengthen off the East Coast. And depending on its exact track, will determine exactly what areas do see snow. But easily, the higher elevations of the interior Northeast, we're talking northern New England, but even into some of the higher elevations, even into central southern New England, um, could see, you know, an inch or so of snow. And I would not be surprised to see the rain change to some snow or at least see some snowflakes, even towards parts of the I-95 corridor in uh, southern New England as we head towards Friday night into early Saturday. Uh, fortunately, most of the accumulation will occur on grassy surfaces as it, it it is tougher to get that snow to stick, especially on roads at this time of year. And most of the snow that will fall will, won't last long. It will melt pretty quick. You know, we have a higher sun angle, which is all good news. But in some of the higher elevations where we do see several inches of snow, that could stick around uh, much longer. And, and as you mentioned, you know, besides that low, we'll also see uh, you know, we'll have a deep pool of cold air, a deep cold core 
that will allow lake effect snow to develop um, as we head uh, towards Saturday as well. So uh, we'll see, you know, a couple of inches easily pick up in some spots. So you need to be mindful if you do have to travel, you could suddenly drive into a snow band. So uh, with reduced visibility, uh, even if it isn't really sticking that much on the roads, you can still have accidents that way. Um, and with that comes really gusty winds too. So, you know, we could easily see gusts 30, 40 miles per hour. So that combined with temperatures only in the 30s or even 40s, we're talking wind chills during the day on Saturday in the 30s, maybe oh. some spots in the 20s. So that to me is a miserable wow. yeah, May day. <laughs> like that's just not that's just not right. <laughs> like, so, yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> no, thanks. that ain't right. No. Um, you know, I was, I was actually talking to, I did like a virtual um, talk with a, a group of gentlemen um, a few weeks ago and um, about weather and climate change and some different things. And, um, and one of the gentlemen asked me, he was like, What's the deal with this bombogenesis? I mean, I know I've learned a new word, you know, when did when did we start having those? And I'm like, well, they've been around a long time. It's just, you know, like the polar vortex, people thought, oh, it just popped up. Um, these terms have become a little more mainstream because we're using them as meteorologists. Uh, so are we going to get some bombogenesis this weekend? And if so, what is it? <laughs> So yeah, I think it's definitely on the table. Uh, some of the models are definitely suggesting that we could see some bombogenesis, which basically means a really rapidly strengthening area of low pressure. So technically you're talking 24 millibars of drop in pressure uh, within 24 hours. So just to give you, a, just to give a, a basic uh, guideline that we use uh, to track whether or not a low makes uh, the reaches the criteria. So uh, that is definitely on the table. Um, I'm not going to say it will for sure happen, but regardless, we're talking a strong low pressure system tracking off the northeast coast, and uh, not to leave out our friends in Canada as well, because they will also experience uh, some heavy snow and windy conditions and cold temperatures as well. So uh, even in places, uh, you know not in the US, you know, southern Canada, Quebec, we're talking, you know, they could even see even more snow. Uh, so power outages are a real possibility there as well as into parts of the northeast with the combination of the winds, which will increase as that low pressure strengthens and any snow, because you also have to remember in a lot of places, you actually have some leaves on the trees now. So when you have right. late season storms uh, or early season storms, uh, that adds to the concern for power outages because that weight on the branches uh, can make it easier to come down than when you're talking January where, you know, there's no leaves on the trees to worry about. So mm -hmm. uh, and if especially if it's a heavy wet snow, which will likely be the case as well, then that adds to the weight on the branches and power lines. So. It could be an interesting uh, weekend for some, and hopefully uh, you don't lose power because if you do and you have those really cold temperatures, you need to make sure you can still have a way to heat your homes. Uh, so that that's definitely something to keep in mind this weekend. Whew, well, not a lot of great information, you know, happy information in this in this <laughs> podcast episode. A lot great of good news, information, yeah. <laughs> good news, you know, news to learn. Um, and thank you guys so much for your expertise and kind of guiding us through what exactly is going on both with these fires and then with this cold air. Two very different topics, but you know, somehow intertwined. Um, and I hope that you guys 
get to maybe enjoy some nice weather while you have it. We we'll be okay, yes. right? Well, that's we're the all thing. in the south. Like I, you know, I don't like the cold, but I look at it in perspective. At least I'm in Atlanta, so even though it will be cold by my standards, I'm not with most of my family in the Northeast. So I will still be able to get outdoors and not feel like it's the middle of winter. So there is that, but there's other, the other piece of good news to hold on to is that the pattern will relax uh, as we head into next week. So it's not going to stay frigid cold, uh, you know, for a week, you know, so that, that is something to, to, to look forward to as a moderation in temperature. So. Yeah, I tell and, myself know, that I'll be begging for this in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, here in Florida where I am, we'll, we'll be happy to get the rain. So I, I'm mm. not really going to complain. You know, it's unfortunate that it's Mother's Day weekend and people are kind of just starting to get out and, and you know, do some recreational activities. But we need the rain. So it's all good. Thank you guys for uh, joining me once again. It's nice to talk to you guys. It's it's nice to, you know, we're, we can see each other on um, video chat while we're having this conversation. Gotta say, it's nice to see some human faces. Yes, <laughs> My dog's here. face is great, yes. but, you true. know. True. It's, it's nice always a pleasure you with you both. Of course. Thanks for, you know, being a part of the Weather Channel podcast, for listening with us on these topics that are going on right now. Don't forget that you can subscribe and that way, all these podcasts are going to end up right wherever you listen to them. If you are a person who listens on Spotify or if you listen on iTunes or Google Play, whatever it may be, subscribe to this podcast and you can get all the episodes there. We'll talk to you soon.